You could hear the cries from inside the department store, reverberating off the stone walls and empty storefronts of a once prosperous suburban mall. The child was unhappy. And as we got closer, we could see why the young girl had tears streaming down her face. The pink satin ribbon on her head started to fall forward on what little hair she had. And she was doing that move of leaning back violently while kicking so that she resembled an angry insect in white tights. And during it all, the person in the Easter Bunny suit sat trying to keep her on their lap long enough for the teenager in a pastel green and yellow vest to snap a picture the mother trying to coax a smile from her distraught daughter just off to the side, the mesh eyes of the bunny man staring straight ahead, unblinking, a little upturn of the mouth rising around two felt teeth. Now, I know what you're thinking, but I felt for the bunny man that day. That's a job, hiding your emotions in a bunny mask as screaming children beg to be pulled away from you one after another. That's a lonely existence the mall Easter bunny has. I thought about jumping the low white picket fence and giving them a hug. But just then I got a whiff of the Auntie Anne's pretzel place and made a beeline right for it. I do enjoy a pretzel bite. I also enjoy opening up the portal that will lead us to the Deep Night. Deep Night, Oh, friends, spring is springing, and this host is hosting tonight, and I'm doing so in a daffodil yellow turtleneck. Folks, it's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm so pleased to be with you for this, the next hour of regrets and revelations. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And, oh, it's almost time to head down to the Gowani and look for oil eggs. They're oval-shaped piles of goo that collect near the bridge supports, and the children just go nuts filling their metal barrels with the stuff. I feel like I don't say this enough, but business at the Crystal Shop has been booming, and Galinda and I have just been invited to Palm Springs for a major wellness convening out there, so I cannot wait to report back from my trip out to the southwest. It's always so calming for me to be back in that dry heat and blistering sun, surrounded by energy vortices and drifters. Tonight on the show, we have a wonderful guest who I am confident would do just fine living off the grid and making her own water. Tonight, I'm joined by comedian, writer, producer, podcast host, Emily Winter. Emily produces and performs on a number of great shows around town, which we'll talk about. She's also written for, get this, The New York Times, The New Yorker, NPR's Ask Me Another, TV Land, Fusion TV, Glamour, The Barnes & Noble Review, oh... Now, she's an NBC late-night writer's workshop script judge and the co-creator of What a Joke, a nationwide comedy festival. Emily's stand-up has been featured on Sirius XM, and she's performed at SF Sketchfest and Laughing Skull Comedy Festival, the Limestone Comedy Festival, and others. So let's go now to my conversation with Emily Winter. Emily Winter, hello. Hi. Hi there. Welcome to the Deep Night. I'm so happy to have you here. I think the last time I saw you was in a very warm room at a comedy show above a bar in Brooklyn. 
Oh, that sounds about right, and must have been warm if I did well, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Real hot show. Real hot show. I think it was Back Fat or something. Oh, yeah. That's one of my shows. Yeah. yeah. That was what, yeah. Is it still going? It's still going. It's moved to Union Hall, and we just did a show at Bell House, but yeah, we still Whoa. are going. Listen, that's the upward trajectory, isn't it? it? Yeah, it was great and so much fun. I was so nervous about throwing a show at Bell House. Is it still warm? It's still very warm. <laughs> This was maybe 61. What's that place yeah, called? Yeah, 61 Local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yep. Smith Street. Well, you do a lot of shows. You do. You produce a lot of shows. You mm-hmm. perform in a lot of shows. You write for a lot of things. Um, but uh, uh, producing is a passion? Um, I would say I wouldn't call it a passion. I would say <laughs> I am very frustrated by the way that people can't do simple things well. Um, and so it became... A thing that I did because I intuitively know what people want, like how to make people have fun and be comfortable. Yeah. I'm good at throwing parties, right? So, like, if you can do that, you can produce. Uh, but I just couldn't believe that people don't know how to do this stuff. So I was like, well, I'll just do it then. <laughs> so you were attending the shows, and you would see that. Uh, why not just put out the chairs this way or something? Well, like that. I started comedy, and I wasn't getting booked because I was terrible, as we all are when we begin our journeys. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was talking to comedians who had been doing it for a long time, and I said, how do I get on shows? Because I know I'm bad. (laughs) So what do I do? Um, And they were like, you know, you should start your own show. That way you'll give yourself stage time and you'll become part of the community and you'll find out which, like what kind of comedy you're drawn to and it'll help you develop yourself. Um, And how long ago was that? That was, well, I started uh, seven years ago and I started my show six and a half years ago. Pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I got into it. And what is your favorite part of doing it? When it's over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Making some money. No, you know what my favorite part for real is? It's um, I love booking shows with... Uh, big names, of course, because then you draw a crowd. But my favorite, favorite thing is booking a show with some big names and then slotting in someone who you know is going to be big and yeah. is so great but doesn't have the fame yet. And then when they crush um, and watching them, like somebody without any major credits, like just crush and like surprise a room is so rewarding. And I think that as producers, we should all be like trying to mix up our lineups like that because we all know somebody that's amazing that just doesn't have the TV credits yet. Right. No, absolutely. And it, But it does take some special skills to be a producer. As you said, you thought it was kind of people uh, missing out on the obvious stuff in some cases, but some of it is it requires some. Uh, there's some talent there. I just didn't realize how special I am. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I, you know, I've been doing this show ten years or so, Which is and amazing. And it's I'm tired. Is what I'm saying. I'm so tired. <laughs> All the time. We're I have so to tired. Moisturize now. I got lotions. You now. should have been moisturizing for a long time. Well, now, that. yes, I know. I know. But uh, <laughs> I'm trying to play catch up. So I do it in the morning and at night. Good. I've got a desk moisturizer. That's how much I'm putting on my face now. Are you using oils and are you using serums? You know, I have an I have an anti aging cream. Uh huh. And then I have a regular moisturizer. Uh huh. And I have a facial cleanser. That's and, really good. Uh, you know, some specialty stuff that you just have to use a couple times a week. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I'd say that's a serum. Yeah. That might be a serum. Something in there sounds like a serum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying, but I feel my bones losing density with every show. <laughs> 
and I don't know if I can keep going. But uh, one of my, what's your least favorite? Least favorite part of producing? Le- least favorite part. Yes, thank you for completing the. Um, <laughs> that's, how, that's where I'm at. I'm getting good I just at... put words out there and hope you can infer <laughs> the question. I'm getting good at repeating the question. Um, but I think that my least favorite part, there's so many bad parts, man. There's so. Sometimes I. I um, when you're producing and hosting and oh. you're doing it alone or yep. just with one other person, sometimes there's too many moving parts to really put your full concentration into your performance. And yes. that sometimes bums me out. Um, I also, I don't know. I hate it when people who I don't know who are new to comedy ask me for spots. No. Uh, and I hate it when, gosh, there's so much. I hate the tedium of promoting shows. Oh. That is very, yeah. I'm going to go with maybe that's my number one. I think that's probably, it's got to be up there. Yeah. The, le- the least favorite thing for me is the text an hour before the show. Can't make it. Letting me know that, oh, can't, it just, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I think if your name's on the poster, you better be there. Oh, wow. That is a tall order. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I don't have that many names on the poster. I usually tend to make sure there's at least one extra. Okay. Now I know. Because they're going to do Because yep. somebody's going to get called in this direction or that direction. Right. I understand it. Right. But, you know, I've gotten to the point where if there's four people on the bill and only two people show up, that's a lot of time to fill. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you usually feel like you have somebody in the back that you can just be like, hey, you're up? Never. It's never happened. (laughs) It's just me. And then we're just spending time together with the audience such as it is. Which is nice. Well, (laughs) you should see the audience. No, they're fine. I don't hold grudges. Oh, I do. No, me too. (laughs) I was going to say, except I do. Are you able to forgive it all, though? Some people will never be on your show, won't they? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um. Yeah, I forgive. Never you know. invited back. Do you give people no. a second chance? Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 The only I just like the things that I will like never forget. Like the performer. Well, it's two. They're their brothers that they just didn't show up, and then they didn't tell me they weren't showing up, and everyone had showed up for them. Oh. So like that. That is bad because That's you tough. didn't even give me an hour to try to throw out emails to see if I could replace them with somebody else that was blowing up and you know right yeah I was fortunate once I had a musical act on I was like well kids keep it going (laughs) how about another song what are you going to do when it's already halfway through the show? Anyhow, um, well, what what kind of things if I bring in somebody what should I look for? What are the good skills I should be looking for? Good head of hair? For a producer? Yeah, for a producer. Yeah, no. I have very thinning hair, and I think that that is the mark of a good producer. <laughs> if if you We're don't tearing it out. If you don't have bags under your eyes and thinning hair, they're not working hard. That's what I could tell you. you they better look like, they better, can I swear? Yes, go they ahead. They better look like real shit, you know? And they better be real tired, and they better say, this is going to be a big job, but I feel passionate about it, and I want to do it. Um, no, I think somebody that knows the scene and knows, you know, what you're looking for, knows your taste, um, and has connections to, can do all the things that you don't want to do. Yep. Eager to post on Facebook. Eager to post on Facebook. I don't know. It's so weird because there are some producers out there that are like, in like my comedy realm but I like I never quite feel like they have their finger on the pulse as much as we do sort of like with agents and managers I'm like when I'm talking with them I'm like you guys are kind it's like you live in like a a, like 
a universe that's just off from the one that actually exists because they like they don't know quite as much and like they'll never be able to unless they're out there every day but i think that might be too tall of an order you know Uh, if they can get most of the work done that's pretty good the flip side of that and this is also under the category of things i don't want to do but how good of an agent manager whatever would we be Pretty darn good. Right. That's the other thing. Because, you know, people that come on our shows probably uh, right right as they're breaking. Yeah. Uh, right after they've broken, they're coming back to try some new things. Yeah. They're launching. The people that have been on the show and then have gone on to have Comedy Central specials and Tonight Show appearances, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, we, we have an eye for it. And we're, as you said, close to the ground. Yeah. So we know who's coming up. Yeah. We would be good at it. There's I, no way I want to do that. I know, same. And I've thought, I mean, I I have thought about it. I have thought about, but I just, I couldn't, I, yeah. I me would too. Be like, but let me just yeah. get up there at the very end. You know? <laughs> I know. But now, in addition to all the producing that you're doing with the comedy, how many shows are there? How many you got going right uh, now? Three? I, three, yeah. And they are Side Ponytail. Side Ponytail, I work on that with three other comedians. Yep. Uh, Back Fat, I work on with my musician friend from high school. And um, Karen just restarted. That that used to be Comedy at Rose Gold. But Karen just start restarted. That's a show with free beer. So that was, we just had our first one. It was really fun. <laughs> That's the character. Does each one have a specific uh, thing? thing? A little uh, theme, a little uh, flavor to it? Yeah. Karen, the flavor is Fat Tire from New Belgium Brewing. <laughs> <laughs> um Back Fat is a variety show, and we try to do, like, weird stuff. We just had our annual one-liner contest, so we try to do – we do, like, a dating show once a year. We try kind of out there things. And then uh, Side Ponytail is just – that's just straight stand-up in a really cool space with three of my best friends. So All women on that one? No, two women and one man that I co-host with, yeah. Okay. But we we call ourselves the girls. (sighs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Well, I gather in addition to producing the shows – you're producing a wedding. I'm producing a wedding. Well, Majel and Gaia's blessings Thank to you. you. That's so exciting. Have you considered a, a moon ceremony? It's actually at a place called Full Moon, but there we uh, go. what is a moon ceremony? Oh, it's it's just you're outside. Yeah. Uh, you've got a you know ha- handmade satchel full of desert sage. Oh boy. You want to be you know clothed or partially beneath beneath the moon. Either usually a new moon is is, yeah. is uh, you know a new. Uh, entering into a new relationship, a new life together. Okay. But uh, full moon is okay, too. Bask in the full light of it. Yeah. And you need some maybe druid stones. You can get some uh, styrofoam and carve it and spray it with that kind of fake stone paint that they have. And how many calories are in that? Because I'm on a wedding diet. (laughs) In the the styrofoam? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then none. You don't eat it. You just put it up. Oh, you understand? Not a, not a, it's not an eating thing. Oh, I was like, you eat rocks. All right, tell me more. I'm interested. <laughs> no, you make like a little st- sacred henge. Oh man, this sounds like perfect for my si- my maid of honor sister. She yeah, is, yeah, she's uh, a, the, of she, that persuasion. Yeah, she's of that persuasion. <laughs> um, Got a few crystals, does she? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I'd like to talk to her next. <laughs> <laughs> she's an anthropologist. I'm sure you'd have interesting. A Interesting. I was a bit of an amateur rock hound myself. Oh, yeah? As a young person. Well, sounds like it. <laughs> I've been out to a couple of mineral museums, too. Yeah? Yeah. Where well, are they? The one I was at was in Laramie, Wyoming. <gasps> nice. Not a great one. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I went to the National Mustard Museum once. Where is that? That is in Wisconsin. It's in, I think, like Manitowoc or something. Or no, it's it's out. No, it's not Manitowoc. It's outside of Madison, and it was worth the 
<laughs> excursion, yes. the extra time to get off the highway or beltway or whatever. Um, it was very cool. And they are very anti-ketchup there. <laughs> <laughs> they have like a framed news story about a woman who went out for ketchup and her house burned down to like be like, don't go out for ketchup. Like your house will burn. Yeah. Um, they hate ketchup. It's great. They know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> the condiment world is <laughs> full of rivalries. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, you get your own seed when you leave out, leave that place, get your own pack of mustard. What do you get? You can go down. St- so there's, it's two floors and on the, the basement floor, you can oh, so it's toss a high class rings. Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can toss rings into over mustard bottles, and if you get one, you win it. So I won one. Wow! Congratulations. Yeah. I don't really like mustard at all. But <laughs> it's fine. Give it away. A real seedy or a fine blend? Uh, I think a cheap fine blend a bright yellow yeah <laughs> maybe not br- yeah probably i don't know <laughs> yeah. i never looked at it oh was there reenactments little models of them making mustard were you in a cart riding through the history of it oh no, no. that sounds amazing <laughs> yeah they were just like here's mustard from all over the world and here are some facts about them that's basically what it is <laughs> well so no not a lot of mustard at the wedding though um i'm not i I'm not opposed to it, but I don't, on my part, no mustard at the wedding. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can choose. This is your day. You would think so. <laughs> you would think you could choose, but Uh-oh. turns out the moms do the choosing, and I, okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. It's a third rail there talking oh, about that, God. huh? Yeah. It's a lot. Are you stressed? Um. Yes, because yeah. my mom invited too many people. Oh, boy. I hope nobody listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, tons don't of people worry. will, but don't I hope worry. my mom's <laughs> friends don't listen yeah. to it. Well. Uh, and we need some people to say no. Otherwise, they won't fit in the venue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know, can I say, well, what time of year it's going to be? Yeah, it's over 4th of July weekend. Oh, that's it's a good time. It's very soon. It's all happening soon. very fast. Yep. Because they asked if I, we got a discount rate for producing a wedding very quickly. And I was like, I can do that. Yep. I have the yep. skill. Um, yeah. So you don't have an organizer. It's you. It's me. Who? Ho ho! It's a big responsibility. Yeah. And you got you already got the dress. Got the dress. You got the cake. Uh, no, but that they're gonna take care of it. Okay. I don't care about cake. Here's what I want to say, uh, from experience. Yes. If the idea is that they're gonna use any kind of marzipan involved, uh huh. Make sure they go very light on it. Okay. I had a cake uh, for <laughs> no. the first wedding. About uh, three inches worth of mar- marzipan icing on the icing. I okay. use in quotes. Real thick. It was almost. Uh, it was. I'm not sure that they had ever made a cake before. What is marzipan? <laughs> it's like an almond paste. Okay, and that sounds good. No, good in small doses. Okay. Sometimes you go to Norway, those kind of places. They like it, and they give it to you formed in uh, shapes, so you get like a marzipan pig. Okay. And you can work on that for a better part of a week. You know, really, if you're uh, out there in the is woods. Is it super sweet? It's very sweet. Okay. Yeah. It's so almost just a- like a raw dough. That has a little bit of a well, now I'm liking cherry paste, like a cherry. I think a kind of a cherry flavor. Okay, I'm sure I've had it before. Yeah, but you don't need it on the cake. Is my point anyway? You won't do that. You're going to be fine. Not an ice cream Three cake inches, either. Three uh, no, inches that'll melt right off the table, yeah. huh? Yeah, okay. yeah. These are things that I know. My second uh, marriage. Oh, this was nice. We got uh, had the ceremony at a energy vortex near City Hall in Sun Valley, Idaho. Oh, lovely. At least. My wife said there was an energy. You can't see them, but uh, <laughs> this is, she said you can feel it. And uh, anyway, beautiful 
and very efficient. I think under 20 minutes and we were done. So, but second marriages are different, as you'll see. Did you did did you like go searching for the energy vortex, or did she like know where it was and it just stays put? And she, then you, she's an energy healer, and she knew where she was. She knew she, knew what she was doing when it comes to that. Has a kind of a, she has an app. Oh, she's an app. So she knew exactly where it was. She so knew, it wasn't she, like it might be here, it might be here. Yeah, and even the ones aren't on the map. She can just detect it. Oh, if she was here, she might find one right out there. Boy, in the yeah, hallway. I think there is an energy vortex because I feel... You like, feel it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <A lot laughs> Something's of taking in. my energy. I don't know what it is. <laughs> a lot of people that come in here feel drained after this experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to do traditional rings, fashioning them out of uh, animal hair, wax? What are you doing? Uh, yeah, no, we're just going to we're just gonna lick around each other's finger and then Beautiful. it'll be an invisible saliva ring. Uh, That's gorgeous. <laughs> we're doing... We're doing Old traditional rings. This is going to be made out of wood. That's kind of nice. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> what are your rings made out of? Uh, this one here. Yeah. Full titanium. Yeah. I think. Great. Platinum, titanium, one of those. Here's my advice with the rings, though, Emily. Make sure you get them sized before the ceremony. Oh, yeah. Okay. Tell me. Because I was very enthusiastically dancing, as one does after a wedding. This is the first time around. And I threw my – we were in an old castle, okay, out there in Scott. Through the hands up in the air, the ring flies off of the finger and it's spinning next to a, a grate that we know led into an ancient sewer system of this castle. Just spinning there on the <sighs> edge. And I had – oh, my God. I had to get it. Second time, we're out there in Malibu. Oh, have you ever been to Malibu? No. Oh, it's beautiful. And the uh, sun, sun was setting, the waves are coming in. Hands in the sand, pick my hands up, no ring. Where's the ring? Sun's going down, light, water's coming in. Uh, you know, we found it. We you found, found it. it. We found oh, it. Oh, yeah. thank God. But then resized it. Yeah. Resized it. They kind of ruined the ring, but it's re- now it's not coming <laughs> off. It's not coming off with vigorous dancing. I had to get this engagement ring resized. I have a joke where I do a softball. Toss and I was wearing a bracelet once, and the bracelet flew up into the venues. This is in San Francisco, in the venue venues chandelier, and hit the chandelier, and then came back down and landed on somebody's head. So, <laughs> yeah, it's important to have jewelry that fits. That fits. Where's that Swedish American Hall? What was that? Where was that? Uh, it was somewhere in Oakland, but oh, I don't remember Oakland. the name okay. of it. Okay, all right. Um, and you're gonna have you know the other good tip. Put what? the date of the wedding in the ring is the so inscription. So you don't forget. Many times. You think you're not going to, but then you, the dates get confused yeah. in your head. You're yeah. producing too many shows, tracking p- too many people. Too many people. <clears throat> yep. So that's really good. Solid information I'm giving Thank to you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. But take us back now. At what age did you realize you were destined to make things happen? Were you one of these, hey, let's put on a show kind of a kid uh, as a kid? Or or what was going on there? Yeah, I was a, hey, let's put on a show kind of a kid for sure. And my... Uh, my family's just been going through a lot of old photos, and they keep sending me photos of me with microphones. But I never really like thought that. Anyway, I don't know that my best friend growing up was very, very outgoing, um, and was such a ham. And then one of our other great friends was very funny. So I, I was always like into it, but I felt like I was doing, like I was not the star compared to them. Um, what were you doing with the microphone? Selling them. Were you just always know. around microphones? I think the microphone came like before, before when I was like really little, and then when I was six to into 
like teenager, I had my best friend and she was like always center of attention and I was always just like facilitating it. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. I never, you know, I, I always was was a writer and I always knew that I was going to be a writer and I, I guess the stuff, the rest of it, like stand up and producing got kind of buried um, in my young adulthood. And um, then it has emerged well, you su- need, to my surprise. You need those skills to elev- to get the writing out there in yeah, some way. That's I why mean, I started doing it, do it yeah. reluctantly uh, doing stand up and reluctantly <laughs> producing. And then I fell in love with stand up and I fell in love hate with producing. <laughs> now, you grew up Midwest? Yeah. 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 Okay. We're talking. Where are we talking? Illinois. Illinois. Not far from uh, Oaklawn? Not far from Oaklawn. Yeah. yeah. Near you a did. botanical garden or something? Oh, no. Near no. a ugly street. Um, <laughs> near nothing. That's near why nothing. I was like, yeah, just but, nothing. But uh, that's uh, in Chicago. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. But Suburb, it's. Exurb. Yeah. It's south of Chicago um, where people don't really leave. Like, there's so many people from the northwest suburbs and the north suburbs of Chicago, and that's all the people I meet when I'm, like, in my travels on the coast. And yep. then, like, I don't know. It's weird. People from the south part, they just must be great there. They just stay and don't go anywhere. A high quality of living. Yeah, I guess so. God bless them. I missed that aspect. <laughs> uh, but, well. Well, now, uh, were you somebody that uh, spent a lot of time in the mall? Yeah. Was mall culture still going when you were yeah. a young person? Yeah. 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 Have you been back to your childhood mall recently? You know, I actually worked there after college. Yeah, okay. Uh, I did makeup at that mall, and I have been back pretty recently. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. How's it going there? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird. It's, you know, you go back to a mall, and it seems small and sad. Yeah. And for so many years, it was like the hub of your entire social existence um yeah yeah i asked because just uh this past uh weekend yeah i was down there at my childhood uh mall Uh mall uh, outside of philadelphia Mm -hmm. and uh, i worked there Mm -hmm. my mother worked there you know i spent a lot of time there i could tell you where all the stores were yeah and there was a beautiful time when they could should have just left those stores intact yeah i don't know if they were financially viable or not (laughs) But just knowing those stores were there, that's how you knew. And they had fountains then. See, they did a big remodel. <laughs> they did a big remodel of this place. They took out all the fountains. And the nature company and the walking, co- the nature <laughs> store, whatever, the walking company. That's of right. the, Hollywood Video, whatever that oh, place was. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, KB, Toy and Hobby. Gone, all of these places. that we Now you can't even get, like, children's clothes in the thing if you were going to get that. Limited 2 is gone. Limited 2, out of there. Out of there. They they had just set. There's like a medical thing there now. Oh no. There's like a in incl- like a, a clinic like yeah, <laughs> yeah. inpatient. Okay. What is it called? Outpatient. Outpatient clinic. Yeah. The not emergency room emergency room. That's what I'm talking about. Our system is broken. Yes. Yeah. Those things. Yes. And then just one. They're very good. Auntie Anne's pretzel place. Now it was one of the first ones. I'll tell you. Ooh. Still run by Mennonite people when it first opened. Wow. And I remember the first pretzels from there. In the same section with KB Toy and Hobby. My point was walking around this place was so depressing, and there was no one there. There was no youth. There was no culture. The food court. They, some of them were shuttered. I've yeah. never seen that. Wow. A shuttered store in a food court. Something's happening here. 
I think and people go- may be buying stuff online these days. I don't want to be the first one to say it. I don't know. It's kind Hold of on, a crazy thing. Let me write thing. that down. That, that <laughs> seems like you could be on to something. <laughs> well, you go to Indianapolis down there, and the mall's empty as well. But I gather there, there's so, there's a big immigrant population. Okay. They've, they've come in and taken over some of those places. I mean, rightfully, I mean, legally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, you sound like a terrible human being. All right, tell us what happens when I mean, they take them over, pe- when the immigrants take them over. People have made use of this abandoned space to yeah. turn into restaurants and stores and whatever else, but they've become thriving centers for uh, an exchange of centers. culture and great food. That's awesome. You can get some of the most diverse food ever in Indianapolis. Did not know that. Would have liked to know that. There you go. It's not too late to change the location of your wedding (laughs) to an abandoned mall (laughs) outside of Indianapolis. Actually, how fun would that be? (laughs) Pretty good. Have a wedding in an abandoned... I would have like um. I don't know, like Ghost in the Graveyard wedding. You know what it is? Like tag or whatever. Oh, yes. Like horny tweens. Um, That is... That would be such a fun wedding. (laughs) Can you do it? Maybe. Cut down on those people that attend. (laughs) Some of those older folks aren't going to do horny for tween stuff. Yes, they don't want to come. No. They're obligated. No. Oh, I just miss it. I miss being there. Uh, you know, uh, having my first kiss at the food court. Oh, that's where it was. By the Sparrow, you know. It was a very greasy <laughs> kiss, and it smelled a little bit of pepperoni. Not good pepperoni. <laughs> but then college for you was where? Wisconsin. Wisconsin, one of our great education states, until uh, Scott Walker got involved, yeah. but hopefully they're on the rebound. Uh, Madison? Yes, Madison. Great college town. Yeah. Had my first and only manicure in oh. uh, Madison. I was like, wait, we already went for first kiss. What is he going to say? <laughs> uh, great. Good for you. That makes me, yeah, yeah. very yeah. happy. It was very happy. Is I was. A great place? It was a great place. It's my favorite. Well, Milwaukee's my favorite place. I just want to move to Milwaukee so bad. And... Cream City. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a nice, um, nice place. Milwaukee is good too. Smaller, I, Madison. I don't know culturally more going on. Lesh, about the same. I would. I don't know. There, I think weirdly less because it's so. It's it now when I go back, I'm like, oh, this is a college town first and a capital second. Yes. Um, but Milwaukee is just like becoming more interesting, and there's more going to it, but yep. it's still affordable and cool. And good coffee. And good coffee. Yeah, there's some good coffee places there. Um, when I was in Madison, in addition to getting manicure, mm-hmm. I had some pancakes, mm-hmm. and uh, I went to a wedding. Mm. And the thing there was, and I still feel bad about this, so let me apologize on air uh, to to Alexis. She had set up um, the round tables. Mm-hmm. And they did a cakewalk or something. You know what that is? It's no. like a wedding tradition where you got to walk around all these different cakes and everything. Anyhow, I had nothing to do with the cakes. But they had those disposable cameras. Mm-hmm. And there oh, was, this is a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Set on each of the tables. Now, those cameras, you couldn't tell which way was forward or backwards. They looked the same on both sides. So you can see where this is going. <laughs> and I went around and I got everybody together and I took the picture. But, of course, the camera was facing my face instead you of You took the original the, selfie. <laughs> That's right. Well, I took about 30 of them. Oh, and that's her whole wedding album. And I'm sorry. I fed. It was a fun little prank at the time. That's so funny. But that's not what you want to have happen in your, in your comedians at weddings can be problematic. Yeah. Can't wait. We're throwing a comedy show at our wedding. Oh, that's fun. We, yeah. I've done some of those. They're fun. Well, it's going to be the night before. So yeah. it won't be like. 
No, no, no. And now for the comedy show <laughs> after the rings, you know. No, no. That's the part where the family really just has their moment to shine with the toasts and all that kind all of stuff. All the BS. Yeah, that's when you get it. That's okay. when you get to hear. Then you find out that, oh. They hate me. <laughs> my father-in-law has some political views I don't agree oh, with. God, yeah. That's fun for everybody to simmer with the rest of the evening. You're stressing gonna... me out. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to a lot of I've been to a lot of weddings. Um, is it going to be outside? If it's not raining, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And rain plan is what tent? Oh boy, we don't have one. No, there's a tent for the wedding, and then there's a pavilion for the a pavilion. dancing. And here is going to be out in the Midwest. Going to uh, be back here. No, Catskills. Catskills. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Everybody's going to be in a lodge. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And a theme? No theme. Theme is everybody's traveling really far for this wedding. It better be pretty good. <laughs> well, what brought you to New York originally uh, from Madison, I'm, which seemed like you were having a good time out there? I was there. having a blast, but I didn't. I was writing for a newspaper in Madison, and I didn't know. I just wanted to write comedy, but I didn't know anything about it, like how to start or whatever. So I moved home to Illinois, worked at the mall, took a writing class, like a comedy writing class, and then wrote a, a really crazy cover letter to Stephen Colbert and asked if I could intern for his show, The Colbert Report. Um, so the woman who was deciding uh, who got internships was on maternity leave, and there was a stoner in her place, and I had written a sort of bonkers cover letter about how I smoke pot and watch the show every night, which was a lie because I'm afraid of pot. Um but yep. I thought it would sound cool. So anyway, he was like, yeah, you got the internship. Come on out. Um, Do you think he was looking for a friend to just, yeah, just yeah, smoke Yeah, I think he with? was. Yeah. Uh, and so that's how I, yeah, I was 22. I moved to New York. A couple of questions about everything you just said. Uh, <laughs> number one, Madison, uh, famously home to The Onion, right? Yeah, and actually this tattoo that I have is um, the pa- the newspaper that The Onion was born out of is The Daily Cardinal, and um, this was a fundraiser for The Daily Cardinal where I was editor-in-chief. Still, you getting I could a not... tattoo was a fundraiser? Yeah, I did this last year. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm still very invested in uh, it's, yeah, its well-being. Um, but yeah, so I should... Because The Onion was born out of the Daily Cardinal and we had that legacy there and that connection, I should have figured out, one, sooner that I liked comedy and two, like made those connections or figured it out somehow. But I didn't and I couldn't and I couldn't I couldn't put it together in my mind. I like it didn't even occur to me till I was like leaving college that like those TV shows that you find very funny, somebody wrote those jokes. Like, Chandler Bing isn't a real person. Like, that's a, like, it's just like, it took me extra long. Um, so by the time I figured it out, I was like, oh, I am now a newspaper reporter in Madison, Wisconsin. And I was like, oh, I think I got to quit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that avenue wasn't open. Then you went back to the mall. And what were you doing at the mall? I was doing makeup. Oh, makeup is yeah. what you said. Okay. And that's uh, kind of like determining you're in autumn or a fall and then doing some <laughs> uh color matching yes but also like putting makeup on people and showing them how to use the products and yeah lab coat no okay uh all black what's that just clinique is that what does the i lab think coats? yeah i think you're right clinique does yeah. do the lab coats yeah. yeah i worked at origins oh natural i mean there's trees on the bottles <laughs> <laughs> 
supposed to be. Yeah. And then, uh, okay, and then that internship worked out. So then you're at Colbert Report. Yeah. And and how's that? Oh, man, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I had a blast. I, you know, you don't really like, like learn anything. You don't, you know, they don't teach you anything. You just learn by seeing everything happen. Sure. Um, and that is also where I met a writer who I was like, how, how do I get your job writing on the show? And he was the uh, creator of Daria. And I like love Daria and oh. I loved him. Um, and uh, he was like, he just had me sit in his office all day. And as the other writers would come in his office, he'd be like, how does Emily get our job? And they'd all be like, you got to do stand up. You got to do stand up. You got to do stand up. So really? I was like, no, no. <laughs> No, this is not what I want to hear. I will find a different way in. And then I just never could. So then I had to start. But yeah, so it was very cool. I met my writing partner there. We've been writing together for very, ever since. Uh, yeah. Did that uh, transition into a staff position or a, a no. bigger role? Just the inter- So how long did that last? A couple uh, months? A semester. So whatever that was, like four months or something. And I did some like freelance production assistant stuff for them when they needed somebody after. But um, yeah, that was it. And I met another intern who got me my first job. Uh, I mean, I was waitressing in Times Square, but my first real job, she was like, oh, there's this Vogue editor that needs an assistant, and she heard she heard Midwesterners work really hard, and so I worked for her for a year as a yeah a Vogue contributing editor's assistant. So that was crazy. That's another fun world to be around. Yeah, I mean we're talking your entry into New York City. Yeah, and you're already working on the the big show uh, yeah. for a couple of months. Then you go to I mean the biggest magazine. Well, she it was so like we. She had her own office in the Lower East Side, but sometimes we would go to Vogue. Sure. And um, she also was British, so she would be like, darling, we're going to London tomorrow. Book yourself a flight. And I was like, what? You know, so it was just like, I was like confused and felt like I had no control over my life. But when I look back, I'm like, oh, girl, you should have like, I wish that I could have come out of my shell and like enjoyed it a little more because it was right. a wild time and I was in a world that I have no business being in. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so a little devil's a devil wears product. Yeah. 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 Was it like so that? So she, the woman that I worked for in Devil Wears Prada, there's the mean British like other assistant. Uh huh. That is her character is my boss, but she grew up, you know. So like, <laughs> right. so that's who it was based on. Um, but she was lovely, actually. Actually, she, it was who it's based yeah. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but she was, and the more I got to learn about that world, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, she is the gem of that scene. Yeah. Um, so she's like the nicest one among that ilk you know (laughs) (laughs) and she's also a great writer and like a really she's a cool novelist we were making one of her books into a screenplay so i got to really do some cool stuff that's amazing yeah that's amazing and uh who's who's the lady that the whole thing is what's her name anna winter oh anna winter yeah i rode on a plane with her once oh down to uh another wedding to serena williams wedding in new orleans serena williams no i was just on the plane and she got on and uh, it turns out she was – I was like, what going is she there. doing here La- yeah. at La- LaGuardia, wherever we were, uh, going down to – and I think they got at the ACE or at the CAC, something down there, and everybody was there. I just happened to be there for another reason altogether. Wow. Uh, to visit some of Crystal Sellers and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I got my leaves red. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, it was right there. That's A amazing. Very, very handsome red coat. 
Yeah. Took off her glasses, had a little bag. Did she sit in first class? Come on. Yeah. Of but course. Were you in first class? No, but I, I do comfort plus, so I'm always first oh, class you're pl- adjacent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. see in there. I can see yeah. through the curtain, and you know what? I use the bathroom. I used to look oh. down on the people that did that. But now I only look down if you're coming from the economy main and making your <laughs> way up to the zone. front. Yeah. So you stay in the back. Yeah, I but know. But this Comfort I Plus, look, I'm close enough to the curtain. I can just – this is easier <laughs> for everybody. <clears throat> that sounds – and waitressing in Times Square. I yeah. mean, that's the trifecta. Uh, that was horrible. <laughs> I – that was that was so. What was the place? Can you say the place? Is it gone? Is I don't it still know there? if it's gone. It's called Langans, and oh. I hope it burns to the ground. Uh, <laughs> that was the they were like the manager was so mean. It's just it was like this like lesson in it's just so many things, right? Like so many like actually horrible things. Like um, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. The chef was typical chef, typical yeah. male chef. Treats everyone like garbage. The manager treated everyone like garbage. And so many of these people were like from Russia. And it was like women from Russia that would like do like they were just trying to get any kind of honest work that they could. And they were treated like crap. And it was just like really sad because like I knew that I had an out, right? Like I can always go back home to my parents' house, which is safe. And it's not where I want to be, but it's fine. And I was just like working with all these people that didn't have that luxury and I was like the abuse they had to take was just like sorry to bring like the mood down this isn't funny but it was no. like really like eye-opening and horrible um and also we had to wear collared shirts and ties and slick back our hair and I couldn't open a wine bottle and I remember a really attractive couple ordered a bottle of wine and I couldn't open it and they had to do it for me oh my god there's just so many embarrassing moments you, you couldn't so physically, you just, just didn't, didn't you weren't uh, experienced like, enough to I had only drank yeah. wine out of a bag before, you know? <laughs> <laughs> <True> <laughs> Where you story. take the box wine and the bag out, and then you just strap it into a backpack, and then you just drink it out of a straw that goes around your head. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that, because that is the feeling one gets when you walk into those places. You oh, never yeah. want to be there, but sometimes you got to see a show, you got to get something to eat, you got to go fast. Yeah. And you end up in one of these places, and you can feel the despair. In every dish, in every drink yes. delivery, in everything is just is crushing in there. No one wants to be there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Everyone is only there because they have to be. And, I mean, just like horrible to each other. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, anyway. It seems shocking. <laughs> it's really upsetting, the whole thing. <laughs> I went to one of those places. I'm not going to name it. It costs $37 to have a salad. And their whole thing is that it's like, oh, it's big. We got it big, a big, a big. Sally, there's two of us. What the heck? Just make, just make a $15 version yeah. of this thing. Yeah. It's bigger than anyone can eat. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's, a, a that's what it is. Making it in New York. Mm. So you do those two things. Yeah. You get such a, Already, you've had the crash course of New York existence. Also, I was living in a model's apartment that there. she was like subletting out, but it was tiny and I was living there with another woman that I had met in college who was is a bit bonkers and uh, it, was, it was one bedroom and it had mice and but this gorgeous amazing model would like was like here you want this and we were like yes whatever you live in is good enough for us and then she like whisked off to LA or whatever and we were like left in her dumpy she was like probably making so much money off of us too you know yep. and then like oh my gosh it was just a nightmare anyway 
That's where I lived. Now that completes the picture. And yeah. where was that? That was on the Upper East Side. Oh, yes. Because I was afraid of Brooklyn. I went to Park Slope and I was I was so afraid I got back on the train, which is hilarious in retrospect. Too many strollers. <laughs> I was afraid I was afraid of the doors. The doors? Like you know how like New York is old and, and yes. all the buildings are old and like yeah. you could go into like a really expensive apartment building and the doors will be all like shitty and like the paint will be coming yep. off and like that's not a it's not a marker of how nice something is or isn't. I couldn't like you like I couldn't get that through my brain like I was like these doors are a mess and I was like they're all dented and I was like does that mean everyone's just coming in and punching doors and maybe they'll punch me I was just afraid of everything (laughs) (laughs) this is making me feel good I've grown up a lot (laughs) that is the first time I've heard that but I can relate to what you're saying Uh, because uh, you know you come from some of these suburban places they take pride in their doors and there's not hundreds of people that live in the one place there's just usually the family I just and never you take met, care of the door. Yeah, yeah. But you come to these other places and the door is the least of your problem. How many times do you think about your door now? Never. Never. It's every once in a while I'll see a door when I know that I'm going into somebody's really expensive apartment. And I'll yeah. see a, uh, like a crappy door and I'll just like think back to how afraid I was of doors and like laugh at myself. Did you ever walk up to the door and then decide to back away? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is, I had to see like three apartments in in Park Slope and I went to the first one and the door was too dented and the paint was all chipped and I was like, I wasn't like a snotty thing. I was terrified. I was like crawling out of my skin, terrified of it. It's so weird. I'm such a dork. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's valid. <laughs> I, I, think that's, I wouldn't want to live there. I'm sure it was so nice. I'm sure it was better than the place I ended up. Well, but you got a better experience, I think. Yeah. What's, where's that model now? Um, I looked her up recently. She has a baby. Oh, great. I don't know what she's doing. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. She's collecting rent from a number of yeah. <laughs> subtenants. <laughs> she's a landlord. Ah, uh, well, that all, uh, I think, has probably contributed to the story you had there recently about failure. Right? Oh. I mean, these are all positive experiences to varying degrees, and they got you here. Um, did, but did you land in a comedy circle when you were here? Did you figure that out? What was the one that you were drawn to? And then we'll talk about the failure thing. Sure. Um, well, I kind of spent some years just kind of trying to write alone and not really getting – predictably – not really getting success. So, I mean, I went through different jobs, but then I was in one for six years. Um, I worked at Spark Notes. Uh, I was like a blogger and then an editor and then senior editor and then editorial director. Like, that's how long I was there. Um, but that's... What is Spark Notes? Though? Oh, it's um, it's like Cliff's Notes. Uh, okay. But it's... Um, it's yeah, it's like homework help for teens. But then they when I was there, they... Sp- like put like a humor blog on so that's what I was like in charge of which was kind of fun for a while um yeah and then I just stayed too long and then was in charge of the whole thing and I was like oh boy (laughs) I didn't go to business school I don't know about this um but I didn't really find I I took improv first at Mm -hmm. UCB and I found out that I have severe anxiety and I made one friend and we're still friends but I also learned that I hate doing improv, <laughs> and even now, though I respect it for so many reasons, yeah. I mean, you might have been clued off about the anxiety thing with the doors. <laughs> you know, I never <laughs> thought of it that way. Maybe. 
<laughs> it probably um, didn't require three hundred bucks to UCB to learn that, but yeah. <laughs> now we now we know we learn from the from the past. Um, yeah, so it's nerve wracking, isn't it? Doing improv, yeah, yeah, starting improv and also having it's just yeah. the rules. It's trying to remember the rules, trying to be funny while remembering the rules. Right. It's the thing that I didn't uh, take to. Yeah, it's also, a little bit like, that I, I took. I appreciate it, but it's that's not how I'm wired. Right, and I I was afraid of looking dumb. Like, I thought they were going to be like, oh, we're all doing a joke about the 11th president. And then I'm still sitting in the back like, wait, number one, number two, number three. I don't know 11. I don't know the 11th president. You know? And now I realize you can just be like, I don't know who that is. Uh, But I didn't know that at the time. Or just say Zachary Taylor. Is that the one? No, I don't know. But you see? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knows. Um. So I felt I was too scared of that. And then I was but I was also like disgusted by the people in my class. Not everyone, but some of them. I just found them like obnoxious or whatever. And I didn't like them. And I didn't like my teacher because <laughs> uh, he was scary. So <laughs> I was just like, this is not not the environment for this you. This is not. Yeah. 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 Um, so again, how do you build your own place and build a place for you? I yeah. Then I I mean I finally signed up for a stand up class. This is like almost a year later, or maybe like six months later. I signed up for a stand up class because I needed somebody to teach me how to do it before I would ever get on stage. I think a lot of women feel that way, hmm. right? Um, we I don't know. Uh, don't you know about that? Um, I do. I mean, I've heard this before, and I believe it's true. Like you, and maybe why there's more women in improv than in stand up because women are are. Um, more likely to seek permission to do something and to also follow a system. So, like, the class system of UCB uh, holds you accountable and says this is – if you're doing well at the class, you will attend class and do the show. If you're not – you know, but with stand-up, it's like most – you know, you just go to open mics and nobody wants you to do anything and nobody expects you to do anything and – um, I feel like I needed a push and I needed permission to be up on stage and take people's time. I mean, I used to be so upset about I would count the number of people in the room and then multiply it by that how many minutes I had on stage and then say that is how much time of these of other people's lives I'm wasting, which is a horrible way to look at comedy, right? <laughs> I'm so different now, that's but like quite a calculation. That's how I was seven years ago. If there's 30 people in the room and I'm doing three minutes, I would be like, "You are wasting 90 minutes of human life, so they better be really good three minutes." So I think I was being a little hard on myself. Yeah, yeah, kind of. That's a that's a big standard, I think. To some people could benefit from that thinking, but <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. I don't know that it's so wrong. I mean. Yeah, go in there with your all, but that may be debilitating at first. Yeah. yeah. I think I was just like coming from a really self-loathing place. Um, and there are a lot of people who just like can never stop talking that could probably benefit from it. But anyway. Well, I appreciate uh, you saying all that because nobody had – I mean I've talked to a lot of um, women and in in a lot of comics and nobody has expressed it quite that way. Um, quite that sadly? <laughs> no, no, not the worrying thing about oh. it, but the, about being – feel like you don't have the permission to, to yeah. do the stand-up. Uh, route that there was something about improv that had this other element to it. I would think also maybe a more supportive community than some of Absolutely. the open mic scene, which would be like, mm, I don't, I still wouldn't choose that. Absolutely. <laughs> I oh, never no, have. I, I try not uh, to choose it as often to, as possible. To, because yeah. there's some unsavory and not supportive things about going into that sort of confrontational idea that people have in their mind about what the audience and the stand up are supposed to be uh, doing yeah. to each other for each other. 
yep. that is probably outdated and but still is still there. <laughs> well, and also just the makeup of the rooms, like yeah. it's self-perpetuating. If there's a bunch of women in, in improv, that'll continue to happen. And then if you are a woman and you go to uh, stand up open mics and you see all men, it's, you know, it's not easy to stay and it's yeah. not easy to feel supportive and it's not easy to get laughs on jokes that maybe deserve laughs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you 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 figured it out though. Well, you took yeah. a, the the stand up class was was helpful. It was. Yeah. I'm glad I did it. My then there's like a class show, so that was my first time on stage. Um and I had a blast and then I started going to open mics, which I quickly learned were terrible and then so my first couple of years were then kind of slow because I would dread going to open mics and I wish like <laughs> You know, looking back, like, oh, I, I wasn't sure how seriously I was going to pursue this, but I wish I could have just been like, ah, oh, just get it out of the way. Like, go to a million right now, get it out of the way. Yeah. And then, but it took me a couple of years of not going every day. And then finally, like, I had just broken up with a boyfriend. Uh, I just moved into my own apartment and my dog just died. And I was like, this is a perfect time for you to maybe go hard and just stand up. So I just did like three mics a night for a whole year. And then I was like, oh, okay, okay. This is much easier now. Because it can't get any worse. Was the thinking? I just had nothing going on. Like I would always have to get home to Sparky and walk Sparky. And I was thinking Sparky and my stupid boyfriend. And then when it was all gone, I was like, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? You better just do it. (laughs) You got nothing else to do. Well, uh, getting back to the failure article that yes. you had out oh, there, yes. and uh, that was in the Times, yeah, and it was about all the lessons that you learned by failing multiple. Is I'm, I'm yeah. telling you what so your article was, was, but it was like in 2018, I made my New Year's resolution as 2018 started to get a hundred rejections in a year. So that's what I wrote about for the Times. Because up until that point, you had never experienced rejection. No, never, not <laughs> once. Not I'm so weird. Uh, Pretty good. <laughs> no, I um, I just. I like obviously I like counting and I like numbers and like the like um concrete goals are very helpful to me uh-huh. but um I, you can't rely on people to if you're like I'm chasing 100 acceptances this year like you can't rely on that necessarily I I mean it that seems silly I, I just wanted to like reframe negativity to like make it more positive so I was less afraid of trying things and and working even a little bit harder and pushing a little bit harder on some things that I was always afraid of. And it worked. And it seems like the lesson of that was that you just attempt more. Yeah. And by doing more, more things are actually going to happen. Yeah. And, and I mean, you raise the levels of both, but you're doing it. Yeah. And by doing it, you're generating stuff and making contacts and getting out there in front of people. That was the best year of my professional life, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. um, and now I am... Uh, sort of like reaping the benefits off that, but I am also very tired and very broke. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's a But now it got you on there to the Today Show? Yeah. You and Al Roker? Yeah. That was awesome. That yeah. was so cool. I yeah. mean, I've watched that guy since I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. You talk about somebody that's failed a lot. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. He's pretty successful. <laughs> no, he's doing great. Yeah. And by the way, Al Roker's figure at Madame Tussauds Wax Museum is probably the best one in the is whole thing. Is it really? Is it you skinny, know Al? That it's it's perfect, the right size. It's not. Uh, he's not. It's flattering. Okay, he but you know fine. he used to be very big. It's not old yeah, Al. It's not old Al. No, no, no. Okay. It's 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 
he's got to be happy with it, and he had to spend some time there. You get the sense other people, maybe they just dropped in, they faxed in a photo, somebody oh. grabbed a JPEG and tried to make it, and not everybody uh, right. got close. But, boy, that one is spot on. You'd think it was Al Roker. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the kind of guy he is, is what he I'm saying. He's very nice. Is that we he's genuine. For like 30 seconds before the segment shot, yeah. and he was very sweet. Yeah. A warm fella. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I like this pursuit. Is it going to do? Are you going to? You feel like there's going to be more to spin out of that? You're going to have some kind of book? Going to get some kind oh, of Netflix God, I, series? You know, it's, uh, after the Today Show, the producer was like so awesome, and she was like, "You're going to get a book deal. I can smell it." She was like, "I always know these things," and I was like, "Oh, what a nice thing!" I was like, so I just like went home and laid on my bed and wait for my waited for my book deal, and it didn't come. So I was like, "Okay, I guess not. I guess she got one wrong." Um, I don't. <laughs> I've got some, so I did like a like a TED Talk podcast um, that should be coming out soon, and then I don't know. We're like I'm pitching a, a few. I'm pitching it in a couple different ways for TV, mm-hmm. um, which would be fun. And I don't know if it will happen, but yeah. you know, um, I really love talking about rejection, and I love <laughs> talking about the project, and it's something like that I feel like I can have authority on and be confident about because it's so sad. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, sure, I'll be the authority on failing. That sounds like something that is up my alley and won't make me feel like I'm tooting my own horn that much. Do you feel like it becomes almost a meditative practice? Um, Failing? Yeah. Um, I think, no. Or, or a ritual? Uh, dealing with failure, maybe. I, there is something ritualistic and and exciting about putting in, like, logging my failures for that year. Um, because I would get an endorphin rush, like, putting in everything that I got rejected from uh, because I knew it was getting me closer to my goal of 100. And I would get, like, a little rush of, like, oh, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer. So I think that helped me deal with it and, like, opening up my Google Doc and, like, typing it out and then typing out how I felt. Um, that is a ritual. But um, – and I think over time it, like, brought me more peace. But I wouldn't call it, like – I wouldn't, like, recommend it as, like, a meditation. <laughs> <laughs> Not an easy one to just plug into your life. Right, right, right. To just fail. I mean. Day after day after day. Yeah. It's still failure and it still hurts your feelings. (laughs) So I think meditation should be a little happier. Uh, Forgive me if this is kind of a hack question, but was was there one failure that just stung worse than the others? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, So when I worked at Sparknotes, I started writing this fiction series. And when I left, I kept the rights to it. And I had a company that was interested in making it basically I mean for a new platform anyway we were working on scripts for it and um I thought that they were gonna we we're gonna shoot it we we're gonna do it my dream was gonna come true this thing that I've been working on for seven years was finally gonna happen and I was so excited and then they just like kind of changed their mind and that happens and sometimes things don't get made but I've just been working on that one for so long that when I had to put that one in, that one definitely like hurt. And also, I like I wrote about this in the Times, but it was happening at the same time that like two my two best girlfriends um just got like amazing deals mm-hmm. in comedy, and I was so happy for them. But I was also like, oh no, I'm the loser one, you know. And I was like, oh boy, uh, yeah. Their time will come. Oh yeah, they'll lose. <laughs> 
I love them so much. I'm so no, happy for that. That's them. what you have to adjust to, but, isn't it? Yeah. One what? can't hold on to jealousies and that kind of thing in this. No. You it's... have to be happy for everybody. Because yeah. honestly, you get a show, then the show goes off eventually. We're all, yeah, we're all going to work on each other's shows. It's yeah. going to be fine. Well, I think uh, certainly something we've talked about on this show, not you and, and I, have, right. but uh, throughout this show, is sort of dealing with loss and that kind of thing. And mm. that feels very similar to what you're saying with failure. Just uh, Part of it is adjusting expectations a little bit. Part of it is the process that shapes us as humans. Mm-hmm. And it's getting used to kind of carrying around a certain amount of – like that uh, uh, series that didn't happen this go-round in this incarnation. But now think about who you are as a person, as an artist, to take that lesson with you and put it into whatever happens next. Yeah. And you have to kind of sit with that. Maybe you need to do meditation to sit with it. I don't know. Oh. But to, to get to a place where you're comfortable with that is um, the challenge, I think. Right. And what we're all here trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. I don't know, man. It's emotional baggage, but it's also skills. Yeah, you take those skills and you take the, de- the also how you dealt with it. Yeah, and you know how you feel that way. Yeah. I know that I can be that sad. which makes me not want to be that sad all the time but i have the capacity to do that yeah if i'm called upon to do it i could certainly summon that sadness now yeah right now probably yeah (laughs) oh the loss is great oh i could (laughs) i could go for some tears right now (laughs) oh it has happened it has happened but uh, is the registry open? Can we? Uh, the registry is open, baby. <laughs> well, I'll probably get you something that I just made. It'll be offline because I think Great. some of those corporate registries, you know, you don't need that stuff. No, You're I better to have a, a, box a handmade made out broom. Of paper. Yeah. yeah, a handmade broom, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something. I think it's always special. It's nice to have artist friends, isn't it? Because they give you something. You think, thank you. That you really need, you know, something emotionally fulfilling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the number one item so people can know? That we want? Oh, gosh. This is your time. And really be money. Money. Give us the money. (laughs) Yeah, money. We're so broke. We're we're working so hard and we're so broke. And it sucks that we're getting married at the brokest point of our adult lives. But we are. That's just what's happening. I think you can only go up from there. Yeah. We need a bed. That would be nice. Yeah. We have no bed. What do you need? Sleep number? Casper? Well, we need a mattress, but we also Lita? need an actual bed. Oh, you need the frame for it. Yeah. Yeah. This you is sad. Tufted? Tufted? Platform? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think sleep number would be good because you like numbers. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and yeah, And you yeah, could I'll adjust like, oh, it between sure. one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just constantly adjusting it yeah. behind your very clean doors. <laughs> they are pretty clean. <laughs> In the safe space that you have. <laughs> Well, I, I, this has been exciting to talk to you. This was great. I really appreciate it, and I feel like it's a real New York story. Oh, well, yeah, I hope it's not too cliche, and well, it's pretty cliche. Yeah. No, anyway. no, but it, it's right on the money. And um, you got some of these shows there all the time? They happen monthly, weekly? Yeah. Uh, Side Ponytail is every Wednesday at Friends and Lovers in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, in the last Saturday of the month. And yeah. Karen is just quarterly, um, the last, the fifth Friday of the month when those happen at Precious Metal. Quarterly, at, fifth Friday of the month. Yeah. So I like, who's going to remember that? <laughs> uh, just look for the ads for free beer and <laughs> they might stick in your head. Um, and then Back Fat is like irregularly monthly at Union Hall. So our next one's in May, actually. So the best advice would be to go to your website. My website. It is. I forgot. 
Uh, oh, it's emilywintercomedy.com. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, Emily, it's been a lot of fun. Thank Have you a so wonderful much. wedding. Thank I wish you, you much uh, happiness and success. Thank you. Thanks for having me. There we go. I love weddings. I don't get invited to as many anymore, but I bet some second weddings are coming up. I can feel it. Please send Emily some good wishes, and I guess if you have it, money. I was so pleased she could join us, and I just know good things are coming her way. Personalized reading this week goes out to Yolanda Hippenstove of Tukaloo, Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> Something's taking my energy. I don't know what it is. And lucky numbers this week are 12, 3, and 400, which correspond to the number of spring flowers I've seen so far, the number of weeks till I land on a volcano, and the amount of crystals I'm going to bring back from the desert. Till next time, remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is independently produced by James Bewley. He's gotten used to answering to the name Dale when people see him. Season 11 podcast icon by Candace Brorsma. Season 11 podcast theme by Zach Gabbard. Music heard throughout the show by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm in Ohio. Season 11 poster artwork contributed by illustrators Catherine Lamb, Maria Wen, Scott Balmer, Ronald Horn Industries, and Laurent Rybick. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this show on Apple Podcasts. Even if you listen on some other fine platform, zip over there and leave us a couple of stars. Uh, the show is weekly with live events every other month at the Slipper Room in Manhattan on the Lower East Side. Thank you for listening and for your kind support. Now with Gaia's blessings, let's seal the portal.